0: The ball twirled away and disappeared completely. Twirled away? Yes. I love that. Flourishy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this ball was putting on a show. Sure. Gyrating, twirling? A gyrating, twirling orb. Somebody get this ball on a stage. (laughs) Hello, welcome to our dark commode. I'm Kristen.
1: And I'm our little brother, William. I genuinely mm-hmm. did not think you were going to start the actual show that way.
0: Yes, I okay. was, and I did.
1: Very well. All That's right. our
0: new sign on.
1: That's it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have to resubscribe or anything. Guide to the Unknown is now called The Dark Commode. It
0: doesn't even have to be that. It's just that The Dark Commode is our sign on. No. Nope. The same way that The Netherworld, or whatever is it called, what, Back to the Netherworld mm-hmm. Go We is our sign off.
1: Nope. Uh, barring we're just welcoming. Some, some unforeseen <laughs> circumstance, I'm going to change all of our branding to The Dark Commode.
0: All right, you know You're what? Like the who,
1: Ghoulies cover. Everybody loves a Ghoulie. It.
0: Yeah, right. They're popping
1: out of a toilet. It's you and me popping out of a toilet. Yes. And it says the dark commode above it, and that's the mm-hmm. podcast now.
0: Wait, I've changed my mind. No, I, d- I that could be okay, but I like it better that we seriously don't know that the word abode is the right word. So it's actually us on our cool looking set, but it says the dark commode, and oh. they are like, oh, I think they mean abode.
1: You're counting on people to think we meant abode, right? See, I think people are just going to be like, the, they think they're calling it the dark commode <laughs> for, for some reason. I think half the audience will get the joke as you described it, and half the audience will get the joke that it's just, we're calling ourselves a, a dark toilet. Yeah,
0: I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I think, I'm. I, I, you know, okay. I say I'm going to sleep on it, but I think I want to veto that and just start with Guide to the Unknown. Well,
0: all right. I, <laughs> I think you should sleep that...
1: on it, too, before we just make that No. we always... Okay, fine. I'm fine. All right, it is done. Get ready. Welcome to the dark commode.
0: Yes. Hope everybody is doing well out there. This week, we are going to tell you some ghost stories from the South that were inspired by gifts that our listener Andrea sent to us, which was so, so nice.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Andrea. Yep,
0: and also I have to mention that one of our listeners, Kate, emailed us about this author about a year ago, Um, and I I remembered it. Like, when I was reading this book, I was like, I feel like there's something in our inbox having to do with this, did a search, and it was so. So I hope that even more of you out there enjoy this.
1: That is really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, honestly, we do anytime people send us something, even if we're not able to pounce on it yep. right away, we do hold on to everything. Yeah. And uh, if you send us something, it might just make its way onto a future show.
0: I have a selectively good memory. So sometimes I remember stuff like that and plenty of other stuff I don't.
1: It's true. And so while we're on this topic, I do want to shout out because we don't often say it mm-hmm. on the show itself. We do have a P.O. box where people can send us things. And that is 900 Easton Avenue. Sweet 26, number 166. I chose that so there would be 666. In Somerset, New Jersey, 08873. You're not obligated to send us anything? No, no, no. But that is the address. People have asked for it before, and that's how we got the books that we're going to be covering
0: on this week's show. Thank you again, Andrea. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrea. Um, so... Let's start talking about it. Yeah, the bad premise. Yeah. Had you ever heard of any of this before?
1: Not at all.
0: I only had from that email from Kate, obviously. But To
1: the degree that when I started looking at these books, I really got the feeling that, you know, listen, we're four years in mm-hmm. on Guide to the Unknown. And I personally do not feel like I'm hurting for things for us to do no. or anything like that. Quite the opposite. No. But... I did start to feel like, well, we've covered some of the big um, monsters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, this sort of revealed to me that there was a whole world yeah. of of creepy topics that we probably don't even know about.
0: Or just interesting storytellers that we've never heard about. For sure. To cover. Like, So the deal is here. That um, the Jeffrey books, there are a whole series of them. I believe there are 13 of them. And they're written by someone named Catherine Tucker Wyndham. So she has passed away now. She died in 2011 at age 93. But she wrote for newspapers. um, And she wrote this, like, Ghosts of Jeffrey book. What do you call it again? What is it
1: called? Yeah. Well, mine is called 13 Georgia Ghosts and Jeffrey.
0: Okay, mine was 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey.
1: And I believe yours is the originator it's the first one
0: okay yeah i think so uh so it seems like she was somebody who was i'm not sure chicken or the egg um but definitely into spooky stuff and she actually spoke to npr in 1987 because she was a commentator every once in a while. And she said, I like cemeteries. I like to wander around in them and admire the craftsmanship of the stonemasons and read the epitaphs and wonder about the people who are buried there. Um, So obviously in addition to ghost stories from her books, she was just very into like death stuff in general. And actually when NPR visited her again in 2004, she had a custom made pine coffin for herself in her shed just waiting to be filled.
1: Listen I, with I mean, her bod. I don't, it's not It's nothing. It, certainly, I think a lot of people have had plenty to say about the sort of modern true crime boom in, in terms of making shows and creating content. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, on Guide to the Unknown, we've looked back and and you know discovered what I think should be pretty common knowledge. Like people have been force, fascinated by morbid topics and the macabre. Oh yeah probably literally forever.
0: Forever, Yeah, I mean-
1: Forever, forever,
0: forever. Without a shadow of a doubt, they've been interested in it forever. Before
1: the term murderino ever existed, people were into this stuff.
0: No, Um, I mean, I in no way am being like, oh, well, actually I was at the helm. But like, of course. I mean, I was into reading true crime stuff. Yeah. And Rule was a thing way, way, way before the true crime boom. You know what I mean? So Part of the
1: reason why I say it is that I still feel- as a horror writer, mm-hmm. I still feel like they're, they're oftentimes it, it comes across like it's some sort of a niche interest or something.
0: Not some, anymore.
1: Definitely not in terms of what's popular today. Yeah. But what? What did you find? Kristen's Cupid. Watch, what? Kristen's That's watch weird. just told us about Cupid. What does
0: it say? Okay. It's the Wikipedia page for Cupid. In classic mythology, Cupid is the god of desire, erotic love, attraction, and affection. And then it's basically like the whole Wikipedia entry for Cupid. Oh my God. It heard me say, what's amore? It's answering the question, what's amore?
1: Oh, meaning amore love?
0: Yeah. But why did it hear me say that?
1: I have no idea. (laughs) Why, thank you, Siri. Siri. Thank you. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> What's a more? Um. Anyway, the reason why I sort of say this is because uh, I do occasionally think that, you know, there are people who say that they don't like horror. Oh, I can't watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And then I think about the fact that, like, we covered how um, uh, when they still used to use the guillotine in France, yeah. there was a whole cultural movement called the Morbid Youth yep. who would cut their hair short. To mimic what it looks like when somebody's head is chopped off and the guillotine blade chops the hair too. Right. So like this has always existed. I think about how like people say they don't like horror and yet it was certainly popular enough in the 50s that Walt Disney was like, you know what? Little haunted New Orleans mansion too. Yeah. Put that in this place for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like we've always been here. Right. Um, But still it's fun to look at something from decades ago and see someone's passion. Mm -hmm. And, And that's sort of what I got from this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So wait, what are you saying? That people say that they don't like horror, but or that it's like niche, but it's really not?
1: Um, I guess what I'm sort of saying is that I still personally encounter people who are like, well, I can't watch
0: that because I don't watch
1: horror. You'll have to tell me about it. And that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Yeah. But it's it still sometimes feels to me like a little thing off to the side. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes if I tell somebody I'm a horror writer um, or something like that, it feels like I'm such a specific sub- category of just being a writer right but my thing is really that i think whether or not people quant i guess people everybody's understanding of what horror is mm-hmm. is subjective to them yeah and what i'm saying is somewhere within you everybody likes some kind of horror yeah and it's always been there and it's always been kind of a commonly accepted thing that horror is just part of the fun of being a human
0: i don't know if i agree i think there are people who just don't like it it's not their thing. Yeah, you know? I mean
1: I guess I'd be curious to know if those people like have any curiosity about Halloween. Um are they turned off by the haunted mansion, which is something that I think is very, very entry. I bet level? they'd be
0: like, Yeah, sure, why not? I'll tolerate it. But I think there are people who are just like not interested.
1: I and certainly I think that could be the case. I just think that it's it's far more a part of the average human experience than uh, sometimes i hear people talk about it
0: yeah it it 100 is part of the human experience i mean different kinds of it like zombies aren't but obviously fear right. is a primal emotion i guess
1: i just wonder sometimes when people say they don't like horror if they think that i'm referring to you know some deeply horrific exploitative or violent thing right when sometimes i might literally be referring to that part of the ichabod crane cartoon where the frogs go ichabod
0: yeah, well it's it's a million different things. You could also just not say horror writer.
1: Well, I mean, you're right. I think I think you're being a little too specifically literal about what I'm saying.
0: I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, yes. so uh okay, something else about her I want to mention that was in an NPR article. That uh, I was like, I don't like this part at all. And it just got kind of like glossed by as part of her history. Because one of the articles I read was basically eulogizing her. They said that Wyndham witnessed the worst in her state during the violent opposition to desegregation. She maintained relationships on all sides, never losing faith that a childlike sense of awe and adventure could bring people together. Um, I think that's a fine one to pick sides on. Yeah,
1: agreed. Um, and that's gonna. By Don't the way, that. that is going to be something that I think we reckon with continually throughout yeah. this episode, mm-hmm. um, because it just seems to be part of the talking about the South, yeah, thing. Like it seems like it's just like a a common quality of these stories like i in one of the stories that i read um the civil war is referred to as just the war between the states Uh uh-huh and that somehow civil war already feels a bit removed
0: yeah totally between
1: i know the war between the states feels yet another step removed yes and they're just little sometimes big but even things just as little as that where i read these stories and went wait wait wait, hold on Mm -hmm. what are we talking about
0: yeah Right. So, like the the Alabama Ghost book that I read was written in nineteen sixty nine Um, and so, just if this episode interests you, I kind of want to give a little bit of a warning that if you end up going and getting these books, there's a lot of um like world war or no I mean, civil war talk about, like, confederates and it's i feel like it's like kind of sympathetic obviously she grew up in the south right. so that's not not that everybody would feel that way but that's not like the most shocking thing in the world um talk about slaves and it just there were definitely things that were in the book i was like ew yeah, like I
1: know.
0: not only is it a horrible part of American history that I'm like, ugh, God, that's right. But, like, the way it's written about isn't the way that we write about it today.
1: Yeah, it's very matter-of-fact and t- what you were saying, yeah, like, n- sitting on the fence, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know. It's a choice.
0: Yeah, hot, yeah. you can hop on off. Right. So I was just so surprised because, like, especially NPR is, like, liberal people central i know so it's so weird to be like um she she maintained relations with everybody on all sides of the segregation debate and it's like and then just like and she was a lovely little woman those two things can be true but i just think it's weird
1: i know yeah it is listen it's very very complicated yes and we are not the two people to hell no to solve or or tackle this
0: Hell Entirely. no, but I just wanted to acknowledge it first yeah. of all because it's part of the whole thing. And also I just didn't want anybody to get the book potentially and be like, whoa, I yeah, wasn't yeah, expecting yeah. that and maybe be bothered by it. Uh, so William, you want me to jump on in and tell you about one of the stories?
1: Yeah, the I think so, especially because your book is <gasps> oh, sort wait. of the originator here.
0: Yes, but you have to tell us about Jeffrey.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. the odd thing about this book series is that they're almost all called... You know, 13 Alabama ghosts and Jeffrey. Jeffrey introduces 13 more Southern ghosts. 13 Georgia ghosts and Jeffrey. Right. Well, who is this Jeffrey?
0: Who's Jeffrey?
1: Because the book is written, again, by Catherine Tucker Wyndham.
0: Yeah, and Jeffrey.
1: I guess. So Jeffrey is a ghost. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey is the reason, essentially, to put it as simply as possible, why Catherine Tucker Wyndham was interested in covering these topics to begin with? Yeah. Here is the description from the back of uh, my book. Here, Jeffrey is the mischievous something,
0: hmm.
1: which I kind of like referring to a ghost as a something. Fun. Who knows? That has headquarters in the Wyndham home in Selma. He first made his presence known on October 1966, and since then he has continued at regular, at irregular, and infrequent intervals to clump down the hall, slam doors. Rock in a chair. Frighten the family cat, now deceased, through no <laughs> fault of Jeffrey's. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Move heavy pieces of furniture, cause electronic equipment to malfunction and hide objects. He frequently accompanies Mrs. Wyndham on her travels, and tales of Jeffrey's antics are widely recounted. Nobody has ever been afraid of Jeffrey, Mrs. Wyndham says. He is very convenient to have. We blame everything that goes awry on him. So... She describes him as the only purpose he has is prodding her into collecting and preserving true, quote unquote, true ghost stories from throughout the South. Mm -hmm. So he's a mechanism in a way. He theoretically is something that she experienced in her life. Maybe she felt that her house was haunted and gave it a name, Mm -hmm. but she's truly just giving an entity a name for the sake of calling it something. It's not known that this was Jeffrey, whoever. And he is the reason for her wanting to go out and collect these stories. Right. And these books themselves, we've covered previously on the show, we covered scary stories to tell in the dark, Mm -hmm. which were very much about sort of like, I've got, I've got a very recent interest and hopefully I can show you why soon in, in collecting folklore a little bit. And scary stories to tell in the dark was really as much as they were scary stories that a lot of us read in school and looked at the scary artwork. Um, It was to collect often told scary stories and then try to explain where they came from. Uh, Because otherwise these things are, like folklore is usually just oral tradition and so it gets lost. You tell a story and it disappears. And I think that's exactly what Catherine Tucker Wyndham was doing as well, capturing these little tiny bite of life ghost stories from around the South, mm-hmm. write them down so that they're stored forever because otherwise they will be lost forever. Right. And in that way, as much as I do feel like this is um, antiquated and complicated mm-hmm. because of the nature of these ghost stories, because a lot of them do seem to center around, you know, figures from the Civil War or people who had plantations and slaves yeah. and things that make our modern brain just go, what? it." Is kind of fascinating in a mm-hmm. removed way to look at it and go, whoa, yeah, this is the type of story that was told all the time. Right. And so I do think there, like it, it's, there, it's historical value, if, yeah. if not entertainment with, you know, a guilty mm-hmm. nudge of ick.
0: Yeah, totally. And also, apparently, she was a major oral storyteller. Like, she, so it's exactly what you just said, but I just wanted to point out that, um, especially in Kate's email to us, she said that she's a wonderful storyteller. There are recordings of her telling these stories, and so that was very much a part of her documenting this and sharing it, was actually telling it.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have stuff about her home life with Jeffrey?
1: I do. Well, can we just reveal the secret? Yeah, sure. Because I think you're prodding me for something that you found. Yes, correct. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kristen Kristen sent me a thing about Jeffrey that I, didn't, I quite frankly, I did, I'm a busy man and I didn't have time to look at it. I didn't even know she sent it until she told me she sent it. Yeah. So do you want me to just read this?
0: Yeah, sure. What not? Okay.
1: It, it says, for your section... <laughs> <laughs> You're on the dark abode. That's right, he, no commode. The dark commode. Yeah. Oh, I ruined it already. Ah. He moved into her Selma, Alabama house in the mid 1960s on a day Wyndham was making cookies with her daughter Dilly.
0: Dilsey? Dilsey.
1: They were equally. Not
0: that that's such an average yeah. name.
1: But. They're equally unlikely.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Dilsey. Okay. okay. Dilsey Wyndham Hilly still remembers the moment. We Dilsey were Dilsey Hilly. Dilsey Hilly. Okay. We were ready to plop the cookie dough. No, on... this is a young... <laughs> this is her daughter. Well, how young do you think Oh, that's is? true. Not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I'll okay. have to go even older if I get to Catherine. <laughs> we were plop... ready to plop down the cookie dough on the wax paper, and all of a sudden we heard the most, what I can only describe as unearthly sounds coming from the living room, she says. When they went to investigate, all was quiet and nothing was out of place. Her mother figured it was a squirrel in the fireplace. But the episodes continued. There would be a loud clumping of footsteps down the hall. I have to tell you, I'm doing a light almost British accent. Yes. For a reason. Okay. Almost everything in these books screams Britain to me.
0: (laughs) Really? Referring
1: to somebody as clumping down the hall. The last (laughs) name is. That's like not
0: how we talk.
1: No, like everything in here. Like, through me entirely. (laughs) The Curse of Barnsley Gardens (laughs) is one of my chapters. (laughs) And my brain just goes, I know it's supposed to be the South, but my brain screams London. (laughs) So I'm not going to stop. I get that. I get that. Um, Okay, so uh, (laughs) there would be loud clumping of footsteps down the hall, Hilly says. There would be rearranging of furniture, and I'm not talking about just a chest of drawers sliding across the wall. This was honest-to-God interior decorating. Jeffrey wasn't the most terrifying ghost. Wyndham later wrote a song about him that included the lyrics, Nobody's scared of Jeffrey. Nobody shivers with fright. And Wyndham's other ghost stories weren't necessarily scary either. They were eerie tales that revealed something about the history and people of a place. Alabama, in her first ghost story collection, and Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, in some of her later books. But if you did find yourself a little spooked, Wyndham had a remedy. Okay, so I think I... If you will just put your shoes under the edge of your bed and point one toe under the bed and one toe out, you'll be
0: safe all night long, she said. Do that as Dilsey now. I want to hear the difference. You won't be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing will happen
1: to you. (laughs) Um, I also saw a quote um, from Catherine Tucker Windham that was something like... um, you don't have to be you don't have to believe in ghosts to be entertained by ghost stories. Mm. Which I very much appreciate. Yeah. Even there, I feel like that sort of underlines the the rambling thing I went on before of being like, her stories aren't always scary, but they are eerie stories of a person. Like mm-hmm. I think when you tell somebody that something's gonna be scary, it might lock people out. Yeah. Even though often what's scary to me is not something that makes you jump out of your seat, but rather sort of lean in mm-hmm. and take notice in a different way that that sort of unsettles you. Mm, unsettles um, the mind. But yeah, there you go. So that's, that's I guess, the cookie story with yeah. Jeffrey. Clumping down the stairs.
0: Clumping down the stairs. Actually, there's the last line of that I actually think is really sweet. Could you read that? Not in the silly voice so that we can absorb it. Her thing about the shoes under the bed.
1: If you will just put your shoes under the edge of your bed and point one toe under the bed and one toe out, you'll be safe all night long. She said, you won't be afraid. Nothing will happen to you.
0: Yeah, I've I've never heard of that before. And I like that kind of like superstition sort of thing that's like this is a protective thing yeah and you'll be all good ghosts can't attack you if this is the deal and that seems like a kind of like old safeguard america urban legend old wives tale thing that's kind of fun yeah yeah that's true okay so now let me tell you a story this is the angry architect oh no from the book okay This tells the story of multiple ghosts, really not just the angry architect haunting an estate known as Rocky Hill Castle. So this was a house that was built for Colonel James Saunders and his wife, Mary in 1832. So it was this like humongous, humongous mansion, obviously partially built by slaves, not just this architect guy. And when the architect presented the bill to Colonel Saunders. He scoffed. He was like, "What the hell is this? This is way too expensive." He was rich as hell, but he wasn't that rich. Whatever this number was. Yeah, I think
1: the number if I remember correctly, he went, "Whoa. What is this? The total or your phone number?" <laughs> what?
0: Yeah, he did. That's what that's, I remember. Yeah, that's how I remember it too. I forgot to say so. Thank you. Um, so I don't know. I there was no resolution as far as like how they settled the bill. I guess they just kind of let it go. They compromised or something? I don't know. And the guy, like, you know, went back to France. He was a French architect, I forgot to say. Okay. Um, so there's no talk of this guy actually dying. Um, but then weird things started to happen around the house that they were attributing to a ghost. And I guess they just assumed that it was, quote, the artistic and indignant Frenchman oh. who had, you know, made their place. So let me read you. A passage now from the book about what he was doing in their house it was so haunted and scary okay oh wait i lied okay <laughs> they do say he died oh okay now oh, damn it okay because then well I... <laughs>
1: <Just> ruin everything
0: <laughs> <laughs> it ruins a little bit because <laughs> i was gonna say they it didn't mention him dying and but they were talking about how there was such an imprint on the house all this crazy stuff is happening and it reminded me of the episode that we just did that's, if that's you're listening in real time yeah for our Patreon, where we talked about this show called The Dead Files um, that you may or may not have heard of. And in the episode of the show we watched, the psychic medium was picking up on the energy of somebody who turned out to be alive. Now, that wasn't like a fine thing premise thing that she knew that she was going to be looking for an energy that was still with us. She seemed to be thinking it was very much a ghost or a spirit, but then she was just confronted with the fact that oh, the guy who did this thing is alive. Yeah, And she was like, oh, okay, Uh, well. Yeah, she like claimed uh... she saw
1: a face. Yeah, right. And then they were like, well, he's in jail right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what do you think happened? Do you think that he like (laughs) snuck out and came over? Or do you think that he's like projecting his aura (laughs) across the globe? Anyway, go check that out because that blew my big dumb mind. (laughs) Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. That episode was just for demons. That's starting at the $13 tier.
0: That's right. Uh, go check
1: it out. Real crazy and boy did we share something lunatic at the end of the show that I can't even tell you about here. No, it's genuinely can't.
0: Genuinely private.
1: So go dig it up.
0: Um okay, yeah. So I mean, that was all I the parallel I wanted to make, but apparently it's instantly unravelled. Yes. When I look at this paragraph. You blew it. Okay, so <laughs> the Frenchman departed cursing the mansion and its thieving master. Not long afterward, he died, still resentful over never having been paid what he felt was due him for his work. Thus, the background was laid for the ghost of that artistic and indignant Frenchman to become the first of many spectral visitors to Rocky Hill Castle. Sometimes at night when the Saunders family was seated at the long table in the dining room, having, having an evening meal, or when gathered around the square piano in the music room for an informal musicale. Loud noises of pounding were heard in the cellar as though someone were beating on the foundations with a heavy hammer. When the pounding first started, brave members of the family would rush down to the cellar to investigate. But no matter how fast they ran or how thoroughly they searched, they never found anything unusual in the dark, silent cellar. Then almost as soon as the searchers rejoined the rest of the family upstairs, the heavy thuds would begin again, seeming <laughs>
1: seeming at times to shake the whole house. Doesn't that imply that like the ghost was like, Oh my god, they're coming. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So he had to stop because like, maybe they, they could prevent him from yeah, slamming right. on the foundations. <laughs>
0: it was gonna like, stop oh thank god me. they're gone and yeah. goes back to slamming. Bam, slam bam, him. bam,
1: bam, bam. Isn't yeah. it Because like w- nobody knows how to stop a ghost if no. they're uh, if they're like, right? Yeah. So he could have just kept slamming while they were down there.
0: Yeah, what are they going to do about it? Maybe it's a little, didn't know
1: that. It's a little skittish and chickenish of that ghost to be like,
0: ah, they're coming, they're coming. Well, he was an artistic and indignant Frenchman. So maybe he had a different disposition than other folks. The
1: indignant Frenchman could right. be a name for this story.
0: Ah, you're right. Yeah, it's better than the angry architect. Yeah. Um, Is it
1: the, in, the indignant Frenchman?
0: I think so. Okay. The mysterious hammering continued almost as long as the Saunders family lived at Rocky Hill Castle, and eventually they became accustomed to the noise and even laughed in a rather subdued sort of way about the angry architect's apparition trying to destroy the mansion he had created by knocking it from its very foundations.
1: So, how do you think that sounded, laughing in a subdued sort of way? <laughs> Just coy. Why that ghost is trying to destroy our home and therefore yeah. perhaps kill us. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so there was another ghost <laughs> later on. <laughs> um so they eventually went with another architect yeah. presumably he wasn't as angry and added a turret onto the house and they used the top floor as an infirmary and hideout for confederate soldiers two soldiers died there but that's not what haunted them next you would think wouldn't you but it's not no no <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah, hey I didn't say anything. <laughs> but <laughs> a young lady friend of one of the soldiers yeah Haunted their house next. Oh. So the Saunders family was traveling for a while, and when they came back, Mrs. Saunders encountered a lady in blue on the stairs. Colonel Saunders then later saw Colonel her. Colonel Saunders? Yeah, I said it before, and I was surprised that you didn't react to it. It's It only just hit me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, there's not even another joke to make. No. I was about to go, it's finger looking good, and then I felt embarrassment.
0: I was about to say, remember when Reba McIntyre played Colonel Sanders in a commercial that I thought, nobody wants this aside. Remember they when Norm MacDonald want... played Colonel Sanders?
1: Yes. He lamented that they wouldn't let him keep going. He said that he got paid so much. He was like, hey, you sure you want to keep doing this thing of other people playing colonels? I feel like you would probably stick with me. And they didn't want to. <laughs> so they moved
0: on. Like, Damn a lot com- They paid me so much money. A lot of commercials pay a t- Fine. Yeah, yeah. A ton, a ton. Lisa Rinna got over a million dollars for doing a Depends commercial.
1: Why do you think I wanted to be that pizza?
0: Yeah. <laughs> if anybody
1: it... remembers what I'm talking
0: about, Will had a legendary audition for the voice of a pizza in a commercial. That is embarrassing. Um, okay, so. Colonel, You know, Mrs. Saunders had seen the woman in blue on the stairs. Colonel Saunders saw her one time in the wine cellar. Then the third time was the last straw. Mrs. Saunders wasn't super scared of the ghostly stuff that was going on in the house. It had gone on for a while with the angry architect. Now this lady's there. And it basically became a nuisance. And it said that she was disgusted with it by this point. She's like, I'm over this. So when she saw the woman in blue again... They sold the house and moved. That was wow. it. They're like, I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, uh,
1: quite frankly, who can blame them? Yeah, I guess you do hear about like the cutesy, the cutesy stories of like having a ghost that's not harmful or destroying anything. That you just kind of be like, yes, 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 we're we're haunted. Like uh, the yeah. Winchester family, it almost becomes like a winsome, sort mm-hmm. cer- uh, you know, depressing. Certainly right. there, right? But like just like a fact of your life, you've got these ghosts. What? It's kind what of, with
0: the Winchester family?
1: Didn't she? Didn't she keep adding on additions to trap ghosts?
0: Yeah, to try a bit to try to like keep them from, you know, like bothering her. Right.
1: So she but I'm wasn't... just saying like she's sort of like she was working on it, but yeah. she didn't move.
0: Right. You know I mean? she right. Just it's moved. just a fact of the matter. It's
1: just funny here in this story for them to be like,
0: all right, that's it. That's pretty much what happened. It was like, that's enough. Had
1: it. Granted, I just finished my my rewatch of Seinfeld. But there is yeah. a moment on that show where, like, you know, George Costanza's dad just goes like, that's it, we're moving. <laughs> just yep. like it took the slightest thing. Yep. The house is on the market. <laughs> that's the end of that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you have any stories? Nah. Nah.
1: All right, I'm going to tell you one. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch right into controversy.
0: Okay. Head first.
1: I'm not going to hide from it. I read a, go- a story called The Ghost of Andersonville. I picked it only because your last name is Anderson. Thank you. I wanted to see what the ghost of Andersonville...
0: What did they get up to?
1: ...was. So um, here's the weird thing about this story. It opens with like a little cute aside, mm-hmm. and then it gets into the actual events of the story. And that seems to be the motif of these tales, just to, to look at the structure. Yes, yeah. Almost like, you know how like, um, I don't know if, if, if this is like a common thing or not, but like Simpsons episodes... When they start, it's like Bart Simpson trying to sell a comic book. Mm -hmm. And that one small event, by the end of it, he's like speaking to the president, Uh you know, where like something (laughs) insane happens from this small event. Right, right. So here, it's a couple that's like driving past this cemetery and they're like, my word, I just saw the most peculiar thing. Why, there was a man in a long coat the coat and it was so high his hat was almost touching it the collar of this coat oh and he's like in a in a graveyard for soldiers mm-hmm. and so they drive and then they double back to try to see him again and he's gone uh-oh which is almost classic ghost evidence. yeah it like totally you, is you look and then you, you look away you look back and he's gone except they then go we couldn't have been gone for more than three minutes hmm. that's, plenty well, that's
0: of, not that weird it's yeah. plenty of
1: time for someone to get away i
0: can totally skadoosh in three minutes
1: it's plenty of time to disappear yes <laughs> anyway um that really has nothing to do with anything because right. they start going like, well, wait a minute. If this is a graveyard for people who fought in the Civil War, yeah, why is this the only ghost? Then they theorize that it might be the ghost of somebody, and this blew my mind. I don't think I, I was really taught this in school or I fell asleep. Okay. Um, uh, it, they theorize that it might have been the ghost of a Union soldier, mm-hmm. a Northern soldier, who was kept in a, uh, a prison camp okay uh and it never occurred to me that there were like prisons for like northern soldiers in the south and vice versa that like
0: yeah i know i came across something like that too in the stories that i read and i just unfortunately there are a lot of things about history that i just have to go well i guess i didn't know that plenty of things that highlight my ignorance yes
1: but certainly, like reading it, I was just like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah!" Like war is so much messier than like school. Sort of was like brother against brother. Yeah, the line, <laughs> brother against brother, the line between the north and the south. That's where the fighting was. Right, like, right, no, no, no. no. Uh, down in Georgia, they had prisons for Union soldiers who were captured. Yeah, and they were kept in deplorable conditions. Mm-hmm. So there's this story that they thought might have been turned out to be this ghost. There was a Union soldier who tried to tunnel out of the prison and accidentally tunneled his way into um a little campfire that some of the confederate soldiers were having. And so he popped his head out in a what? fire. That didn't happen. And uh, it didn't like happen. Like serious black. It like absolutely <laughs> his head is the fireplace. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Harry, they need you." Yeah, Harry. Um and and they're like knocking cinders asunder and Coal went flying. Why, that poor fellow! What? I was like, that didn't happen. So his
0: head was on fire. That didn't
1: happen. That's the same. That's the same thing as like that more modern, arguably, um, thing of like you know a prisoner in a conventional like a, a crime breaker. Yeah, yeah. Tunneling out of his cell. A crime breaker. <laughs> this is a place for crime breakers. <laughs>
0: Who, or a lawbreaker. A lawbreaker. Really. Yeah. A, a crime, crime monger. A
1: crime maker.
0: Ooh. Yeah, lawbreakers and crime makers. <laughs> so
1: some sort of a crime maker trying to tunnel his way out of his cell and, yeah. it, and it opens up into like the guard's quarters, you know? <laughs> he's just digging with his little spoon and then all of a sudden he's just like, Huh? Uh, <laughs> oh no. Oh no. This is the opposite of where I want to be. Some guardian. <laughs> Did Ted suit? Bundy
0: end up in like like a guard or a you know, prison boss's office or something? Prison boss? Yeah.
1: Do believe so, yes. One of the most <laughs> scandalous crime makers of all time. Oh, Bundy.
0: without a doubt. Yeah. A lawbreaker to beat all lawbreakers. To put it mildly.
1: <laughs> incredibly, <laughs> incredibly mildly.
0: Yes. What they
1: settle on, Kristen, who this ghost fellow was, mm-hmm. they sort of just decide why that must have been the ghost of Captain Henry Wirtz. Oh. Let me tell you about Captain Henry Wurtz. Okay. And this is courting controversy. Okay. Because this is evidently still controversial to this day.
0: (laughs) He believes in wearing
1: masks. Captain Henry Wurtz oversaw this prison camp. Okay. That saw like like 30,000 men jammed into a pen that was supposed to be for like 8,000. Yeah. And like the clean water that they had access to um, turned into like a disgusting sewer. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, he was in charge of that. And most of the rest of the story is about how unjust Colonel Wertz's, uh story uh, became. Why? And how unfair it was! For you see, he was held responsible for the conditions of that prison.
0: Oh, how horrible! <laughs> he Poor is... guy. <laughs>
1: this is this is what I'm talking about. Where there's like there's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. lot of like fence sitting here. Uh-huh. Um, there were other prisons, other officers who failed to provide humane treatment for prisoners in their care, but it was the name Wurtz that knew, Northerners knew. Wurtz, Wurtz, Wurtz. They Whoa. said he was ignorant and uneducated, though he held degrees from medical colleges in Paris and Berlin and spoke three languages.
0: <laughs> is, she like de- is she like a descendant of Wurtz? I don't
1: know what's going on here. They said he was indifferent to the plight of the prisoners, though he arranged for a delegation from Andersonville to go to Washington to plea with federal officials to reinstate the prisoner exchange program. He was trying to help. Okay. This works. Uh, they said he had no comprehension of physical discomfort, though he lived with the constant pain of a useless right arm shattered in the Battle of Seven Pines. What? Why well, that has nothing to do with what he's I barely... stood accused of, <laughs> right? He had an unrelated injury, right? He knows what pain is. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah. This, this entire story is like that. Uh, <laughs> they they say that uh, he was in charge of uh, this place, which was a stinking hellhole when he arrived in the spring of eighteen sixty four. So it's not his fault the way it, that it remained that way. Well, here's here's what's weird. Uh huh. So after the war, there's a whole oh boy, I, I should really also call this out. There's like a whole dramatized section in here where um, after the war, he's called to the north and his wife is nervous. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, what, what if they treat you poorly? Right. And he goes, well, these officers are gentlemen, courteous and refined. He told his wife, <laughs> <laughs> you know how graciously they, this is in quotes. Yeah. You know how graciously they accepted your invitation to join us at dinner. And though we had precious little to share with them, they thanked you for your hospitality. Men such as that will do me no harm. Okay. <laughs> oh, poor Naive Wirtz. I don't know about that. Oh, poor Naive Wurtz. So he, he went north. Yeah. He was arrested and tried for war crimes. Oh my God. And he was executed. He was one of only two people, two people executed for war crimes. Wow. In the Civil War, which is kind of a shock. Yeah. Uh, the other guy's name is pretty mind-blowing, so I'm going to look it up here real quick. Please. But um, I did read on uh, Colonel Wirtz's and I keep calling him Colonel Wirtz because it's fun to say. it. I don't know if he was a colonel. Okay. Uh, on his Wikipedia, they make a point of saying that when he was hanged, it didn't take. Oh, and my so God. And so he was watched, um, like, strangling... Sp- struggling and, like, sputtering you until know. He died.
0: There's a story that I didn't summarize here because it's a good story, but it's also, like, really heavy on the kind of, like, war stuff that was just sort of, like... I I felt, like, not fun and ghosty, but there was some... There's a story of somebody um called... I think it's called the, the Hole That Wouldn't Fill or something like that. Okay. Where there was a guy... Who was hanged for some reason? I don't remember what, what it was, but it had to do with the war. And when they hung him, he was too tall. So he wasn't really hanging properly. Like was just standing what the, there. God, well, like, he was like choking and like sputtering oh, and stuff, God. but like. Right, so it was just, it was really, really, really dark, and basically the end of it was just like, and he was a ghost. Like, it wasn't really ghosty. Yeah, that's what this is. Yeah.
1: Entirely. It's a history (laughs) story about warts with misinformation. Because in this story, they talk about how during his court hearing, somebody pretended to be descended from the Marquis de Lafayette. Okay. And uh, was found to be lying. Oh. And then on Wikipedia, they point out, granted, it's decades after this book was written, they're like, uh, 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 one witness is, is mistakenly believed to have, lied. He was a prisoner in Wurtz's camp and gave Mm. adequate testimony. Oh my god. So it's like it contradicts everything that's said here. Right, right, right. And again, everything here is him being like, why honey, you made scrumptious dinner despite our humble offerings. And these men surely surely are civilized modern gentlemen. I definitely won't die. (laughs) i certainly will (laughs) definitely never die
0: no way um but so in this story somebody started scooching out a bunch of dirt below him to make the ground lower essentially so that he could hang and then the legend is that no matter what you do if you fill in that hole always by the next day it will be scooped out again oh yeah which that's a cool story yeah that's interesting but everything else was
1: sad i know it's like a, a a small part
0: Mm -hmm.
1: of the story is kind of cool and then the rest of it is just complicated history that i don't know if i
0: yeah i yeah i had to do a lot of pass and buy stories because i was like it's mostly history
1: right exactly so anyway i mean that is essentially the the culmination of this story is just that that couple at the beginning who was like why what was that ghost we think we saw Mm -hmm. the the end of the story is well maybe it was this guy
0: was worse (laughs) that's it yeah you know
1: (laughs) um yeah, there you go. We're All gonna, right. Yeah, bounce, bounce back to you. I want to find this uh, this uh, name in here somewhere.
0: Oh, okay. The other person who was executed for war crimes.
1: Yeah, it just sounds, it, just, it does sound like a real nightmare. I yeah. mean, quite frankly, being alive at this time sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yes. For a variety of reasons. Absolutely. So, uh Camp Sumter, that's what he watched over, mm-hmm. held 32,000 Union prisoners, technically making it the fifth largest city in the Confederacy. Oh my God. The monthly mortality rate from disease, dysentery, and malnutrition reached 3,000.
0: Ugh. (laughs) God, that's horrible. And they're all smushed in together?
1: Around 45,000. It's like dysentery
0: going through uh, Times Square on New Year's Eve.
1: Yeah, exactly. Around 45,000 prisoners were incarcerated during the camp's 14-month existence, of whom close to 13,000 died.
0: 28% of this camp just died. I bet there are more ghost stories about this area than uh i know than we've come across in these books i
1: know but no it's him it's him morosely looking at his own grave i guess yeah um Yikes. i know hell of a thing
0: hell of a thing well will while you're looking for that name let me tell you about the story of the specter in the maze at cahaba oh cahaba haba Waba. <laughs> um okay so there how do you think you pronounce this name uh, colonel Pegues. p-e-g-u-e-s Pigs, Pugush. pigs, Colonel Pegues. Pegues. pigies, Colonel Pegues was a dude who converted a property that had once been a jail into a home. So- Could it have been this area?
1: I don't it's know. It. Maybe.
0: Well, no, it was in Alabama. It was a totally different Oh, place, you're right. Totally yeah, different yeah. states. Um, but anyway, he converted a property that had once been a jail into a home sometime in the 1820s to 30s. And its best feature was a maze of cedar trees. Oh. That he had built. So like a labyrinth of cedar trees, or like the That's cool. the thing from the shining. Yeah. Um, and it became a total thing to go in there with your sweetie. Let's go through the maze of cedar trees, honey. It'll I be mean, scary. That,
1: that does sound kind of
0: fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So one day in 1862, a young soldier and his gal were doing just that in the moonlight when something scary happened to no. them. No. you better believe it. I don't. Okay, so um before the promenade. Young people had paid a proper call on the... Wait, am I in the right place? Okay. Uh, Okay. Their stroll led them naturally to the maze of cedars. They'd entered one of the circular walks leading to the center of the labyrinth when a large white glowing ball darted toward them. It appeared to be floating in the air a few feet above the ground as though controlled by some powerful but invisible force. The ball played a taunting game with them, swerving from one side of the walk to the other, and then hovering directly in front of the couple, almost daring them to catch it. Then it would recede and disappear into the thick cedars, reappearing seconds later right beside the startled pair. The soldier, being accustomed to having solid and logical explanations for all happenings, was at a loss as to explain the antics of the luminous ball or to account for its origin. But he decided that it was an illusion caused by the reflections of the moonlight on some object hidden from their view. Don't be frightened, he said, putting his arm gently and protectively around the girl's waist. It's just some trick the moonlight is playing. Let's walk back toward the house. I'm sure the thing won't appear again. But it did. They retraced their steps only a short distance through the maze when the bright sphere appeared in front of them and began performing all sorts of gyrations. Huh. Hey, yo, huh. <laughs> this time, motivated by both curiosity and exasperation, the soldier jumped toward the object and tried to catch it. But just as he seemed to have it in his grasp, in his grasp, the ball twirled away and disappeared completely.
1: Twirled away.
0: Yes. I love that. Flourishy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this ball was putting on a show. Sure. Gyrating, twirling. A gyrating, twirling orb. Somebody get this ball on a stage. (laughs) Um, When the young people returned to the Pugh's house with their strange story, they were accused of being moonstruck. However, the account of their encounter with the apparition was upsetting to the women of the household who wished more fervently than ever that Colonel Pughies were home to protect them from whatever it was that was cavorting around in the night. Oh. After its initial appearance, the dancing ball of light was seen by several other persons. Their stories of its erratic behavior differed only in small details from the accounts given by the couple who first saw it. So this ended up becoming known as Pugues ghost. Um, and it made going on that little like maze, stroll through, through the cedars, more popular than ever because you'd be like, yeah. "Ooh, I'm scared! Protect me!" or whatever, and you could cuddle up.
1: See, people like scary stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I think some people don't. I'm, I'm not disputing that some people don't. I'm yeah. just saying I think everybody's interpretation of what something being scary might mean is often incorrect.
0: I don't get this point really. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't really understand, like. Everybody interprets everything differently. You know what Certainly. I mean? So, you know, what your scary is, is not what somebody else's scary is. And, you know, yeah.
1: Well, then on this point, we must move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so even when the book was written in 1969, so obviously way long after the home and maze were gone, the land is now unoccupied. It's just like foresty stuff um fishers and hunters still sometimes report seeing a white fireball out where the cedars once were so i was wondering kind of a will-o'-the-wisp fire.
1: i know yeah it certainly i wonder if there could even be
0: a bog out there
1: yeah it's not impossible i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think that um i mean will the bog answer i don't think was ever the explicitly only answer yeah yeah like ball lightning is certainly a thing and like but yeah it certainly sounds like it's got the, the the old
0: hallmarks yeah
1: We certainly know our tales well enough.
0: Absolutely. You know your history. Very Um, good.
1: So I've got, uh, my next story that I want to share with you is a bit of a doozy. It certainly is less controversial. Okay. But boy, is it nasty. (laughs) And stupid. Great. Possibly short. It's titled The Wickedest Man in Georgia. Okay. Caught my eye immediately. Mm -hmm. Needed to know. Spoiler alert. Who is this guy? This dude's pretty wicked. Uh-oh. Pretty wicked dude. All right. Um, uh, Sherman Walker is his name. And here's how the story starts. They say Sherman did not burn Milledgeville because so many masons. Millageville? I know. I was puzzled by that, too. <laughs> Help me up. Okay. <laughs> and they say he did not take... Uh, oh, I'm, I'm wrong about his last name being Walker. I don't care. What is it? I don't care. If somebody else was named Walker. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Um. Uh. Who cares? All right. Anyway, they, they tell a story. There's all these reasons why they don't say he's the nastiest, but here's why they do say he's the nastiest. Nastiest. <laughs> the nastiest man. What a nasty man. So uh, it seems that this dude was, uh, was a real son of a bitch. Okay. He would like loan people money and, and foreclose on their homes if they didn't pay oh. you know, exactly on time. They talk about how he bought a house, and I thought this was like an interesting way to put it. He added some secret closets close to his bedroom. Hmm. I thought well, that was weird. Like build closets. Extra secret
0: closets? What does that mean? That makes that reminds me of like um well I can only think of his real name, Herman Mudge, whatever his name Herman is. Herman Mudge. Who's that bad guy? The Herman devil Munster? in the White City. No, no. H. H. Holmes. What's H. 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 His real Holmes. Name? It's like Herman Mudge or something, right?
1: Her H.H. H. Herman Mudge?
0: h.h Holmes, you think his name Mudge? N- yes. Because really? that was millet. an alias. Is it Millet? No, Uh, no, it definitely is like mug uh, or mudge.
1: We may never know. But
0: anyway, he had like all those different little rooms that were all scary. So maybe this guy was onto some stuff. He really was the wickedest man.
1: It's going to make some real disappointing, upsetting sense in Uh just a second. Because I I read that sense and I started to really go like, ooh, this could be anything. Yeah. He added some secret closets close to his bedroom. Whoa. And now here's the the depressing, disappointing answer to that riddle.
0: Mudgett. Herman Mudgett no was kidding. his real name. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Herman Webster Mudget. There were heaps of rumors about what was in those closets. Turned out those closets themselves were not secret, just what was in them. It was pretty well accepted as fact that costumes or uniforms, some of them all white, oh God, were stored in those closets. They were handy in case he happened to need them during the night.
0: Are they writing? That's how, That's what's said. written? yeah why are we being coy I don't that's no screwed up
1: yeah it's all very mm-hmm. it's all very dance about Oh, but we're, but we're saying that it was a commonly accepted fact, fact that this guy was in the clan right and built secret closets with multiple clansmen suits in case he needed to run out into the I night. hate that even Batman just had the one bat cave yeah right he did have a lot of bat suits though was he hiding them all around his house this
0: guy or Batman
1: Bathroom Like if Bruce Wayne went into the bathroom, Mm -hmm. could Batman
0: walk out? I bet he could. I bet he could. I bet he could like (laughs) knock on the wall of the shower or something and it would spin and there was a suit there.
1: You pull the flusher up. (laughs) <laughs> and the bat
0: suit comes out of it comes out of the toilet tank yes, rises. it rises it rises.
1: <laughs> it rises it rises spinning rises up to greet him face to face anyway that's that's the kind of guy that this dude was but here's the story about him so so they say boy he was the shrewdest mm-hmm. right they they even have a tale about him um, they tell a story about how even the devil was scared of sherman walker that is the devil name. should have kicked his ass I was wrong that is his name oh okay There's was a joke <laughs> so this is what they say there was a joke they used to tell in Milledgeville, behind his back, of course, about Walker and the devil. They said one of the imps down in hell saw the devil sitting on a big black wash pot, a pot that had been turned over. A good bit later, when the imp passed by that way again, the devil was still sitting there on the wash pot. This is where I would just go, this joke's too long. <laughs> yeah, what? Why, what are you doing just sitting there, devil? Why ain't you busy rounding up folks for hell? The imp asked. Well, the devil replied, I've got S. Walker under this wash pot and I'm scared if I get up, he'll get loose and tear up hell.
0: Wow, this is some real local humor. That
1: was the punchline.
0: Yeah, Did I you like it? I did like it. <laughs>
1: okay, so they say that this man was scared of nothing mm-hmm. um, except the, there was perhaps one thing he was afraid of the ghost of his own son. Okay. Some folks say that Walker killed his son. Other folks, maybe a little bit more charitable, said Walker did not actually kill his son with his own two hands, but that you might say he was responsible for the boy's death. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's up for debate, right? I guess. So here's, here's, here's what happened here. Okay. Okay. Uh, S Walker, uh, would go on to be married three times. Uh-huh. His first wife died, his second wife died. There's a reference in here of, uh, from presumably the author saying like, uh, amazing that he was even married a third time. She must have uh, been puzzled about how he kept his wives. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, what? like what? I know, like it's his duty to keep them alive in a way. It's very weird, very weird notion. I don't understand. Anyway, with his first wife, he had his son, Josiah. Uh, he does not like Josiah. Okay. <laughs> Later in the story, it's it said that it was common for him to go, you should have died with your mother. Oh, my God. <laughs> Say this to him. <laughs> and then at one point, there's this whole diatribe about how he bought fertilizer to make cotton. It's uh-huh. got nothing to do with anything.
0: Uh-huh. Anyway, Josiah well, shows up. I mean, up. I think these are also history. It's, you know, history
1: stuff. Certainly. Yeah. I'm just saying, I read a lot about fertilizer and <laughs> right. cotton. Right. <laughs> I just have to tell you the, yeah. what, what I in put there. into this. So at a certain point, Josiah shows up at the house. And boy, is Sherman pissed. He does not want Josiah around. He says that if he's going to be around, he should make himself useful instead of reading books all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's even made a point of saying that Sherman never really understood the fascination with books. <laughs> this <laughs> guy like, seems like a real peach. Knowledge and learning and yeah. curiosity. and
0: Well, he was obviously a dumbass.
1: Anything other than just being a nasty son of a bitch. Yeah,
0: nasty Klansman.
1: So anyway, um, uh, so Josiah comes home. Uh, he stumbles up the stairs, and he says, I'm real, I'm sick, real sick, and he falls into bed. His uh, skin felt hot and dry, and there was a breaking out on his arms. Walker saw Josiah's horse in the barn and came blustering into the house to find out why his son had come back home. The boy's sick, Mrs. Walker said. He's real sick. He's not sick. He's lazy.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: Walker answered. All the way up the stairs to Josiah's room, he kept shouting about how Josiah was lazy and was playing like he was sick so he would not have to go work in the plantation. Get up from there, Walker ordered Josiah. He sounded real mad and mean, too. Jeez. Josiah tried to raise up, but he fell right back onto the pillow. I'm sick, Papa, and I'm scared. Please get a doctor, please. That I will not. (laughs) Said Walker, you might say he was responsible for this boy's death.
0: Yeah, you might.
1: I'll not waste money on a doctor when you're not even sick. This guy's the worst. Spoiler alert, this kid's real sick mm-hmm. and he's going to die. Uh, and and not only that, um, uh, his wife and, and other child would catch this illness and they would die. God. And this story is about how Sherman Walker um would be in the middle of like a poker game and go, my God, look behind you. My boy is standing there. Oh my God. It was terrified and, and and haunted. Um, Walker's worst torment came those long days and nights just before he died. It was a stroke that killed him. They said Josiah's ghost came and stood at the foot of Walker's deathbed. He, the ghost, Hmm. just stood there and looked at Walker. Never said a word, just stared. Walker screamed and cried and begged for forgiveness. He would plead, don't look at me. Josiah, please don't look at me. Adding, I didn't know you were sick. Josiah, I would have sent for the doctor if I'd known. Okay. Please forgive me. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, Papa, I don't think so. He was still begging for forgiveness when he died. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's good.
0: Died like the pathetic worm he was.
1: So then he became a ghost. Mm Mm-hmm. People living in this house say they still hear footsteps on the stairs, and they know that, too late, Sherman Walker is going up to see about his son, and they hear other steps, lighter steps in the hall, and a thud on the landing. It is a pitiful sound. That is the sound of Josiah's collapse.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: That is the wickedest man in Georgia. Yeah, he sounds like he sucked. I think it's a pretty damn
0: accurate title. Yeah. Yeah. That certainly works for me. Well, let me tell you about a lovely lady from Alabama to take us on out. Something nice? Yeah. I mean, kind of. Uh, you know, somewhat. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so this is the story of the unquiet ghost at Gaineswood. Okay. So there was a house uh, called Gaineswood that was built by General Whitfield in 1842. He sounds like a pretty, pretty nice guy for the time. Um, His wife had passed a few years earlier, and they had children, so he hired a housekeeper. And then after she had been with them for a while, he offered to let her sister Evelyn come to spend the winter there in Georgia from where she lived in Virginia. So when she moved in, she quickly became popular. She was fun and happy, and she played the piano for the family. She even met a French count on her stay. A count. A count. A count. And they were going to get engaged, but they quarreled, which led to him throwing the ring into the shrubbery. No. And bouncing.
1: Where it can never be found.
0: Yeah, right. I know. When I read that part, I was like, what? Yeah. What? Um, That's so, like,
1: uh, I'm still hooked on Seinfeld, even though I finished it.
0: Look, I mean, i George always...
1: borrows a dollar from Jerry for the vending machine. Oh, yeah. And it's too wrinkly. The it's machine won't accept it. When yeah. George, Jerry goes, well, can I have my dollar back? He goes, you want that? It's wrinkled it's worthless it's like yeah i'll throw i
0: don't even want to marry i'll throw this ring into the into the shrubbery into that bush boom um also why i hope he like scooted back for it later and sold it or something i hope she took the ring Well, yeah, well, she would not be able because it is speculated that this led to a decline in health for Evelyn and she eventually passed on. Ah. Now, here is the rub. She was there for the winter and she wanted to be buried in Virginia, but the roads were too icy to travel. Plus, her father wanted to be there for her funeral, but he was away in Greece. So they postponed her burial until spring and put her in a a casket sealed with rosin until they were going to bury her in the spring. Dude. I know. So she was just in the basement of this house for months, presumably.
1: What a nightmare time to be alive. Oh, I know. What a nightmare. Terrible. Like when the roads are too icy, I can't get to Target. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And I'm chill. I'm cool. I sit in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sit and I look at my stuff. It's great. <laughs> and man, the roads are too icy. So we're going to have to put my dead child mm-hmm. in a grave in the basement until right. it's warm enough to di- to travel and dig ground. Yes. What a
0: nightmare. Absolutely. So soon after her death, this is from the book now, the people in the house began hearing footsteps coming up the stairs from the cellar. Then they would hear the sound of tiptoes going to the drawing room where the big square piano stood. After that, faint sounds of music would float out into the hall and up the stairs to the bedrooms. Many of the tunes were those of the staunch Scottish ballads that Evelyn used to play, but the plaintive homesick melodies of Stephen Foster were heard too. These mournful sounds distressed the listeners, for they reminded them that Evelyn was unhappy. Mm. On the occasions when the braver members of the household would creep downstairs to investigate the source of the disturbing sounds, the music would stop abruptly. But as soon as they returned upstairs, the sad melodies would begin again. This is a theme.
1: It really is. And it is sort of a classic mainstay of Mm -hmm. ghost stories. And it holds with my theory, which we haven't talked about in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. You experience a ghost when the ghost is just doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. When Zach Bagan shows up with an SLS camera and screaming. Yeah. The ghost doesn't want to come out. You got to go to these places and just be chill.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally. Um Those recurrent footsteps and the eerie music so interrupted the sleep of the family that they were greatly relieved when the weather moderated and Evelyn's body could be taken to Virginia for burial. Mm. But if the family at Gaineswood thought Evelyn's burial in Virginia would would bring a complete halt to the nighttime visitations, they were mistaken. Evidently, Evelyn could not forgive them for keeping her so long under the stairs in the cellar. While her midnight wanderings were not so frequent as they had been, she did continue to return to Gaineswood occasionally. People who have spent the night at Gaineswood in recent years insist that their dreams have been interrupted by the sound of soft footsteps on the cellar stairs and by the lilting, tingling melodies of half-forgotten songs of long ago. Hmm. And they are sure that the ghost of Evelyn Carter returns to protest her exile in the sealed pine box beneath the stairs at Gaineswood.
1: That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, their analysis of the situation is that she's upset that she was kept in the box in the basement instead of being buried. Yeah. And so she continues to haunt. Mm-hmm. My question to you, and yes. that we've talked a lot about residual hauntings and that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. um, am, am I missing something? They were trying to, in their. They way, were trying they to were honor trying to her do wishes. Right by her, I know. And yet they're being punished in their theory that could just be the depressed mindset I agree. of somebody who feels they could have done more.
0: Yes. I think it's totally possible that she's having a nice time yeah. and, or it's a residual haunting thing, but they are interpreting it as her trying to disturb them. But she's really just doing something that she loved in life, which was playing the piano.
1: I think that's, that's, that's interesting. That's the sort of thing that, um, I completely understand why they would have interpreted, and we're taking it on face value that this is all real. Yeah. But why you would interpret the story that way, given your mournful mm-hmm. mindset. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from a third party perspective, I do see it a different way. Yeah. That is kind of interesting. That's sort of, um, that is a, a, I would call like a, a sort of classic quaint kind of ghost story, which totally. I which I actually like. And I'm thrilled that it's not loaded with, I know. You know, the misery of of, of life in the Civil War and mm-hmm. all of that. What a wonderful way to go out.
0: Absolutely. Um, so that is going to take us on out.
1: I do have one bonus fact though. Okay. I mentioned uh, I mentioned that somebody was the only person one of two people to be tried for war crimes after the Civil War and mm-hmm. I and I enjoyed the name of the other. Right. Well, I've found that name.
0: Great. What is it?
1: So that 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 guy, General Wirtz. Was one of only two men tried, convicted, and executed for war crimes in the Civil War, the other being a Confederate guerrilla, Champ Ferguson. Oh my god, that is a good name. Good name. Was it worth
0: I can see I can see why it's stuck in the mind. Was it worth it? Yes.
1: And then I looked at Champ Ferguson real quick. He was a notorious Confederate guerrilla mm-hmm. during the American Civil War. He claimed to have killed over a hundred Union soldiers and pro Union civilians. He was arrested, tried, and executed for war crimes. I just I I don't know champ ferguson
0: champ ferguson he was convicted like on somebody... 53
1: counts of murder
0: god it sounds like somebody in anchorman
1: yes well because champ kind
0: yes yeah true
1: and turned ferguson which of course
0: <laughs> of course yeah yeah, yeah. norm
1: mcdonald on uh celebrity jeopardy hosted yep. by will ferrell from mm-hmm. anchorman. it all comes back six degrees of one degree of stuff yeah totally anyway
0: anyway uh, that's enough yeah. Well, thank you for being with us. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to support the show and get even more Guides to the Unknown, you can go to patreon.com slash gdtu pod. We have a number of different tiers there so you can choose your own adventure. We have options where you can get a bonus show every week a bonus show every two weeks, or a bonus show every four weeks. We also have a Discord over there where you can talk to other people who are fans of Guides to the Unknown. There's really cool stuff going on there every day. It's so nice. A couple of people in there have said that it's their favorite place on the internet, which I think is extremely sweet. Incredibly sweet. And um, supporting our Patreon helps us keep the show going. So thank you so much to all of our existing patrons.
1: And as we mentioned around the midpoint of the show, our latest episode up is for people who follow our demon tier. Mm-hmm. That is the tier that gets a new show every single Monday, starting at $13 a month. And that episode is titled The Dead Files Files, mm-hmm. about a show called The Dead Files, where somebody thinks they're sensing a ghost and it turns out to be somebody who's alive. Right. Hilarity ensues. Yes. Uh, again, I just want to call out something amazing happens at the end of that show that we we share and, and talk about and mm-hmm. have... Between the two of us. I would
0: say it's part of our paranormal history. It that is. That we have never discussed publicly.
1: That's correct. Yes. Yeah. An old thing that Kristen and I watched and love. Mm-hmm. We we share with all of you. And I, yes. I can't talk about it here, but I hope you no. all enjoy it. We're just scared, by yes. the way, to mention it here. Yes. Um, also, everything that you want from Guide to the Unknown can be found on our website, gttupod.com. We've got links to our merchandise. We've got uh, the form to contact us. Um, our P.O. box address is up there as I mentioned at the top of the show Mm -hmm. all of our previous shows ever and I've even got a handy shortcut for you if you want to find anything guide to the unknown you can go to gttupod.com slash links Mm -hmm. that has links to everything that we do all of our social media where we are pretty active these days at gttupod you should go check us out especially on TikTok where we're just getting started really sharing bite-sized horror facts and little Mm -hmm. things that augment the main show Mm -hmm. Um, so hope you all enjoy that. Please consider, uh, spreading the word there too. We're brand new to TikTok and, uh, I'm going bald and I have gray all over my head and I, I've got to do... (laughs) <laughs> I got to figure this out. <laughs> I've got to navigate these uh, new these social waters. media waters. So, right. I can use your help at GTTU Pod <laughs> on all social media. Everybody, yeah. You can also reach out to the two of us directly if you'd like.
0: Yep, I'm at Chillin Kristen.
1: I am at the Myth Traveler. Thank you all so much. This was a lot of fun, and thank you, Andrea, for sending us these books. Yes, it is fascinating. Yes, fascinating to me to take a look at time capsule ghost stories Mm -hmm. like this. And certainly, yes, these are the kinds of stories that you need to provide modern context for. But boy, did I enjoy looking back at this and and seeing the kinds of stories that people would tell. So thank you so much, Andrea.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll be back
1: next week for more scary stories to share with all of you. But until that time comes, we must
0: travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Back to the commode. Back to the commode. Mm-hmm.
1: Two flush, commodes.
0: Flush, flush.
1: Between two commodes. Mm.